Good morning. I hope everyone is doing well today. It's great to see every, everyone in this place today. Uh, our scripture reading is going to be uh, out of Hebrews. We've been in, a, in a, a series talking about the 10 reasons why Jesus is better than everything else. Why that we can uh, look at Jesus and look at his life, look at his ministry and say, Jesus is better than all other things. And so we've been looking at um, many ways and why he is that. But today, we're going to look at uh, some specific reasons as to why he is that way, looking at uh, Hebrews, um, and specifically, we'll be in uh, <clears throat> chapter 9 this, this day, and we'll be reading verses 15 through 28. So let's hear the word of the Lord together. You can um, find it in your Bibles, or if um, you have one of our uh, bulletins, you can find it there as well, right in the middle. Let's, let's hear the word of the Lord together. The writer says this, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now, they, now he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who has made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed everything commanded of the law to the people, he took the blood of calves together with the water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop. And he sprinkled the scroll and all the people... And he said, this is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled the blood, both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. That without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter into a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered into heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter into heaven to offer himself again and again the way that the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once and for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are awaiting him. This is the word of the Lord. So we just read this weighty passage, this thing that we're trying to make sense of, and we're, it's, it's a small snippet of a much larger conversation that is being had, um, that the Hebrew writer is making and that's something that we're going to explore today. We're going to explore both the, the, the finished work of Christ, but also the, 
uh, the intercessory work of Christ. So I have a question for us uh, today. Um, and, and it's this. Have you, has anyone ever told you um, in, in a Christian uh, setting that they're going to pray for you? Right? I, I mean, I'm sure we've had people say, hey, I'm praying for you. Right? Maybe we've said that ourselves. Hey, I am praying for you, what, what, what you're going through. But this is kind of a, a, more of a confession for me. But there have been times where I have forgotten to pray for the person that I've said that I was going to pray for. There has, there has been that time because I'm, because I'm, um, I'm fallen and I'm, I'm finite. I've forgotten to pray for the ones that I've said that I was going to pray for. And I say all that to say that we have a great mediator in heaven that is Jesus Christ who never, never forgets to pray for us. He says he's going to pray for us. He pleads at the right hand of the Father and he does not forget our name. He does not forget those who belong to him. He is a good shepherd who intercedes for us. So representation is important. We, we know that. Um, and we're talk, uh, I want to talk a little bit about intercession this morning. So what is intercession? You know, we, we don't really use that word too often. Um, and it's when a third party comes into uh, with two others to take on a case of one of the parties and to intercede um, on behalf, think about a parent interceding for a child or, or an agent coming in and interceding um, for a franchise or on, on behalf of an athlete. It's a, it's a third party who comes in. So looking at, at Christ's intercession, it is the work that Jesus does, the eternal son does on behalf of us to the Father. Jesus represents his own to the Father. But why do we need mediation with the Father? That's a, that's a question that we should first start out by asking. Why do we even need to be mediated a relationship with the Father? Well, if we were to look at the, the biblical story, um, we, we, we come to realize in, in the first couple chapters of Genesis that we don't represent ourselves well. We don't represent ourselves um, very well because we have fail because we have, are under the curse of, of sin and we bear that, that burden of sin, that we have abdicated our, um, our ability to effectively represent ourselves because of our, our word and our character has been so soiled by our, our own sin. We see, we see Adam and Eve that when they rebelled, they, they decided to hide from God. They decided to hide in their own shame. And ever since, even in the old covenant, um, there was a mediator that was needed. There was a mediator that needed to, to, to stand um, in between God and, and the people. So to, 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 take, on, um, to, to take on that self-advocacy. So just as... Um, that has, has been the case, and as we have, have even tarnished our self-advocacy, we need a, a better advocate for us. And that's what we're offered within Christ Jesus. He comes as the perfect representative, the one who is fully human and fully divine, to represent us to the Father, to declare us righteous, not by our own works, but by his works. So there's four points that I want to talk about today. 
And I know we're used to talking about three points in our, in our sermons, but I wanted to uh, talk, talk to us about, about four points. And there's, um, they all start with the, the same letter, A, okay? So it's, we're going to have an, a, little, a little alliteration here. So we're going to first talk about atonement, what Christ has done for us and why that matters. Second, we're going to talk about assurance, talking about why or, or where Jesus intercedes for us and why that matters. We're going to talk about the access that we have because of Jesus and why God hears our prayers. And fourthly, we'll talk about anticipation, how that impacts us in the, in the life that we live now. And, and we'll uh, end by uh, applying this a little bit. So let's first of, us, first of all talk about atonement, what Christ has done for us. Where we need to begin is, is acknowledging that, that like the, the Hebrew writer said, that there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood, right? That was the case in, in the Old Covenant. In fact, in the Old Covenant, um, the, the, we, we know if we've, if we've read Hebrews that um, the Hebrew writer says that the blood of bulls and goats that were offered every year on behalf of the people, they, they could not take away sin. They could cover sin, but they couldn't take away sin. But if we read if we read Jeremiah 31, there's a promise that one day there's a covenant that, that God is going to make with the people, an, a new covenant where sin is going to be taken away. Sin is going to be taken and forgiven. And we know that fulfilled through Christ, that Christ was and is the perfect sacrifice once and for all time to take away sin that it wasn't possible for humanity um, to, be, uh, to be forgiven until Christ came to do the work, to give his righteousness. It's what theologians um, call this, this word double imputation. Um, it's a big word, double imputation. What does double imputation mean? It's where Christ, Jesus, he takes away our sin, our corruption, and he actually injects us with his righteousness, right? With his righteous work. Not just cleaning the slate. Not, you're not saved by your works, but you're saved by the work of Christ who has come before us and who is now at the right hand of God the Father applying that through prayers and supplications on our behalf. So that's why we need to remember that atonement is, is so necessary, that we need sin atoned for, and it has been atoned for in Christ and that is good news. That is good news that we need to hear, that we need to be reminded of each and every day. So what does that look like? Um, how, how can we know that? How can we be assured of this? When it comes to um, our, our real estate, uh, when it comes to real estate, um, what is the most important thing? What do they tell you? It's location, 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 Right? We know that that's true. If you're a real estate agent, you know that location is important, that it matters, that it matters for the value of a house. Maybe even for commercial property, you don't want you know, you a business that you're trying to sell something and you're way behind all the other businesses and they can't see you, right? You don't want that. But location matters even where Jesus is interceding for us because Jesus isn't like the other mediators. He's not like the, 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 the copies of the high priest 
that we see who are mediating in temples made with earthly hands, right, with, with human hands. But he's in the presence of God himself. He is what the copies were pointing to. He is in the cosmic presence of God, interceding for our behalf. He is where it matters the most. And he has our ear. So when the Hebrew writer says it was necessary for the copies of heavenly things to be purified with the rites, um, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with human hands, which are the copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. That means that Christ is where it matters most, not in the tabernacle, but in heaven itself. See, the the high priest went in, like we said, he went in once a year with the blood of an unblemished lamb to cover the altar, to cover um, um, everything in, in, uh, in blood, a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood in the Old Testament. And that symbolized the covenant covering over the sins of the people. But Jesus is different. That his priestly ministry is, is made in heaven. It's done in, in God's presence. His ministry do, is done in the heavenly sanctuary. And it's not by the blood of animals, but it's by his own blood. Because he is the only debt. His blood is the only debt that can satisfy the payment of sin. The sin accumulated since the beginning of time. And furthermore, the covenant that, that the sin caused with, with death and Adam that brought humanity under the, the curse, all the human race under the curse, that, the, that we need a, a better covenant representative. We need a better Adam And that's why we have the second Adam, the last Adam, which is in Christ. He is the better sacrifice, as the Hebrew writer said. And and I don't know if we we, we think about this too often, but if you think about the most precious substance, the most valuable substance in all of human history, it's it's the blood of Christ. It's his blood. No no money in the world, no no gold or, or riches could satisfy the payment and debt of sin, but Christ who is perfect. It's his blood, his innocent blood that has covered sin. And he purchased our redemption. He purchased our salvation. So Jesus is, is appeared before God, not the copy or shadow of, of the thing, but the real presence of God. And he does intercessory ministry for us. The Christ, he entered, as the text says, he entered into heaven itself, heaven itself before God on our behalf. He didn't enter on his behalf. He didn't need to cleanse himself. He entered on our behalf. The earthly priests, they needed to enter first on their behalf and then for to, to cleanse the sins of the people. But it's not like that for Jesus. Jesus, the eternal son who entered into the world, came human, it took on our sin, and who represents us to the Father. He is in the presence of the Father on our behalf. 
And it was right to do this. This was the, 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 the deal that, that Jesus and the Father had made since the beginning of the world. That it's only by Jesus' blood that sins can be forgiven. And when you're dealing with an insurmountable debt like this, it's only Jesus' blood that can do this. And the fact that Jesus is in the very throne room of God representing us where it matters most, that should bring us assurance. That should bring us confidence that we have the best representative around where it matters most. You know, we're represented in many places, whether we like it or not. We're represented at, at, at at the state level. Children, you're represented by your parents you know, we're represented at the, at the federal level. There's representation all around, but the place where it matters most, we have the best representative around for those who are in Christ. One who knows our weakness, one who knows our temptation, but who is sinless. And that is good news. And because Jesus is our intercessor, he is doing ministry on our behalf. And because he has entered in, He invites us to enter in too. He invites us to enter in because of the work that he has done. And that means that God is not a distant God from you and me who merely just puts up with us, who merely just tolerates us. But no, that's not true. That it's God the Father who made this plan of redemption, who who worked it out with Jesus, the, 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 the two people in the Trinity, to work it out for the purpose of redemption, right? So we look to the Son, and we know that that is the Father's heart for us when we look to the Son. The Son, he reveals the Father. And because the Son has entered in, it means that we can enter into, not by our own efforts, but by the efforts and the finished work of Christ. So that's, that's the, the uh, assurance that we have been given And I kind of showed my hand a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about the access that we have been given as well. The access into the presence of God. So when the Hebrew writer says in uh, chapter 9, verses uh, 25 through 26, um, and if if I'm exegeting exegeting from the ESV as opposed to the NIV, so some of my wording is a little bit different. Um, the, The Hebrew writer says this, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters into the holy places every year with a blood that's not his own. For then he would have to suffer, have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of ages or at the culmination of all things to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus has been the sacrifice for once and for all, once and for all time. And that's, an, that's a, such an, an important thing. Because the, the, the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin, but it is only the blood of Christ that does that. The blood of Jesus shed once and for all. I want you to think, you think that, the, I mean, there's a lot more blood that the, 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 the bulls and goats had to shed than it does, than it is with Jesus. But it, it shows that all that blood that was shed 
by the blood of bulls and goats was, in, uh, was ultimately ineffectual to take away sin. Whereas with Jesus, his blood is effectual, completely and totally. It is effective to take away sin once and for all. And it's by this mediation that we have access to the presence of God. Because Jesus, those who are in him have been given access to the very place where humans were expelled from, the presence of God, because of, because of sin. Now, I, I want to just picture this for a moment. We have this access, but how often do we, do we not even attempt to access that? How many times do we, do we look away in shame or, or, or try to clean our own selves up before coming to God? Imagine it like this. We have been given, we've been given a gift. Imagine if, if you were given uh, tickets to uh, the Super Bowl. Let's say this last Super Bowl. Uh, you're, given a, you're given tickets to go to the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay and see Tom Brady play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You, you were invited to, to go meet Tom Brady afterwards and shake his hand. Um, you were given that sort of access, free of charge. Now imagine how many of you would actually turn down that, right? Maybe, maybe some of you would. Maybe you're not football fans in here um, like some of us are. But uh, most people would say, I would not turn that down. I would, I would walk right in there with the access that I've been given. Now I say that not to compare Tom Brady to God um, because he's, he surely isn't. But I say that to say that we have been given such a better access to the throne room of God. We have been given a, a, an opportunity to come before God. We have been given access. And so Therefore, because of that, we shouldn't hide, we shouldn't turn away, we shouldn't um, turn away in shame, but we should enter in with confidence because of what Christ has done for us. Going to the Father, because it's a gift that we have been given. And notice that too, uh, that there was a time where we did not have that access. There was, there was a time where, you know, imagine, have you, have you ever been to a... Um, you know, have you ever gone to Disney before and your tickets haven't worked? You know, it's like, oh, you scalped these tickets and they're not real. Um, or you've gone somewhere and tried to be given, you know, tried to gain access somewhere and you didn't have the um, access that you thought you had. That is us before Jesus. We did not have the access, but Jesus gives us the access. He has given us the access to go into God's presence because he is in God's presence eternally. He is there doing intercession work on our behalf, night and day, day and night, 24-7 for us. So as we, as we look at that, notice that um, the father, he's... His, his opinion is not at odds with the son, but he is in coherence with the son. It, it, the father's will is the son's will. They're one in the same. But we, we, we lean in 
and we, we look at the, the son's love and how it mirrors the father. Because if you are in Christ, you have been given access to the cosmic sanctuary of the high king of the universe. So how does that change us? How should that shape the way that we think? How should that shape the way that we, that we live? Because I don't think a lot of times we, we, we tend to think about that. And that, therefore, I want to I shift us now to anticipation. I want to shift us to how that should impact us. And if we look at Hebrews um, ver, uh, chapter 9, verses uh, 27 to 28, the, the writer says this, And just as it is appointed for, uh, for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. So just as we have acknowledged that Jesus' sacrifice for us was once and for all, and he does not need to make sacrifice anymore. It's, it's done, it's completed, it's paid in, in full. So now, what happens? What, what does that mean now? Well, the, the father did not send the son just to make you right with God so that you can live your best life now. No, he, he, did, he did not come just to make you feel good about yourself or to even make your, your life um, um, you know, feel purposeful. I, I, those are good things, but they're, they're byproducts of the ultimate thing. But the, the goal that we are ultimately aiming for as we wait for a world that God is restoring through the sun. We're awaiting the world to come, the heavens and uh, the new heavens and, and the new earth that are being brought about. And that means that when the Hebrew writer says the second time the Lord Jesus appears, that he will, he will not appear, or that he will not appear um, in the same way that he did, but he will he will come in a way to, to deal judgment, right? He will come in, in the way, in, in truth, that, that those who are rejected, that, that have rejected him, to, to, to separate them from those who are putting their hope in him. That he is come, coming to save his people. The people of God are to wait, to wait eagerly, for his return and his salvation. Now think for a moment what, uh, you know, the, the 20, or I'm sorry, the, the, the first century Jewish believer might hear when they, they think of this. If we think about it, the, the, the context of the, the, the book of Hebrews is that it's being written to, um, to Christians and, and Hebrew, um, uh, Jewish, ethnically Jewish uh, believers in Christ who are, who are, are awaiting this return, who are struggling with trying to, um, trying to make sense of, of how God is in, in their midst when they're facing persecution and facing um, hardships. There's a temptation to, to go back to the old ways, to, to return to Egypt, in a sense. But this is the encouragement, to not look backwards, but to look forwards, to put assurance in the salvation that has been completed 
by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that salvation means that he has not abandoned his people. That the assurance of salvation is something that they can anticipate. And that anticipation is for us too. That we can trust the promises of God. We can trust in what he is going to do what he says he is going to do. Because if we were to look at scripture, we know that God keeps his promises. There has not been a promise that God has made that he has not kept. That he speaks in order to fulfill what he has said. And I, and, and I say this to remind us that knowing this should spur on our faith. It should spur on longing within our hearts to await the day of the Lord. That when God comes to judge his enemies with purchase with perfect righteousness, he will also be coming to save his people. But this should, should not just keep us sitting around twiddling our thumbs either. It should, it should help us come to the present with, with hope, that there is, there's still um, a work for us, a still, still um, purpose for us in what the Lord is doing. That God has redeemed a people for himself in Jesus for the sake of good works to be done in them that are animated by the power of the Spirit. So uh, think about that for yourself. What is the work that he is doing in you? When was the last time you put some thought into that? Where might be areas in your life that the Lord is trying to sanctify you by his Spirit? Or where are you trying to ask him to do so? Think, of, think about, you know, think, think about that for, for a little bit. Think about, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the tool that, um, that you've been working on or that, that, that you work with, right? You may have that, that special tool that you use, that it's that old faithful, you know, maybe, maybe it's a power tool. Um, and, you know, it, it, you've maybe had this tool for, for years, right? And it's wearing out and maybe its, it's parts have died out. Um, but what happens when you, those, those parts have been restored with indestructible parts? That, that's, not a, that's not a tool that you just take out, out of the box one time, but that's the, a tool you can keep on using. And in that same way, that what we've been given in Christ is, is indestructible, the, the work that, that Christ is sanctifying us with, that is something that we can continue to access. That God has, is restoring creation through his grace. And that's not just for us to sit around and, and do nothing, but it's for, him, for us to partner in the work that he has intended for us. That Jesus came to complete the most important work, that is the work of salvation. But that also means that he has created us for good works. So think about that, that, that we are called to a good work that waits. That the work is, is important, that the work that he has given you, um, whether you, uh, no matter what type of work you're in, no matter um, your family situation, your, 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 you, know, you, as, you as a parent, that that is good work that he has given you. But we do that work as we wait for him. So how do we uh, apply a, a, a text like this? 
How does the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year intercession of Jesus, how does that impact us? It should give us encouragement. It should give us encouragement that it is, is Jesus who establishes our work. He establishes um, what we do. That his work is the most important work, and it's been completed. But his ministry is the most important ministry, right? Even for the church. But we can't do any of this without him. How does the fact that Jesus is praying for you right now change you? If you are in Christ, you belong to him. That he is praying for you because you belong to him and you are his own. And that's a, that's a thought to take comfort in this morning. That's a thought that I take comfort in. Knowing that the most important human that ever lived is thinking about you. His thoughts never, never drift from you. But he brings you to the Father, praying for you day and night. And, because, and we know that because the work that he has done the work that has been accomplished, the work that is forgiven. That's why we can sing songs like before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever pleads and lives for me. Our names are written on his hands, our names are graven on his heart. We know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid us thence depart. So maybe you're in here listening today, and you haven't put your trust in Christ, I'd encourage you that, um, that to, to not walk out of here today without, without talking to someone, without turning to Christ, because the work that Christ has done is an amazing thing. Jesus is a, a savior of sinners like you and me. He has come to take away our sin. He has come to apply that, that salvific work by night and day intercession, just as we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying for his disciples, not sleeping, not taking a break, but, but praying for them. That's just a little glimpse that he's no longer in the Garden of Gethsemane, but in the cosmic throne room of God praying for us praying for you and I I want to end with uh, just a, a quote by, um, by a man not, by, by the name of Robert Murray he says this if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room I would not fear a million enemies if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room I would not fear a million enemies Yet distance, distance, it makes no difference. He is praying for me. If you are in Christ, this is true. He is praying for you, no matter the distance, whether you can hear his audible voice or not. He is praying for you. Jesus' prayers for you and for I mean that you are constantly on the mind of the Savior. Jesus it's not forgotten, you or I. That's good news.